Hey guys, welcome back to Not Past It Yet podcast with me, Megan Addy, today also with Neil Kerr. This episode comes with a trigger warning as topics are going to be discussed around mental health and going into heavier conversation under the surface level of suicide. Hi Neil, how are you? I'm not too bad, how are you? I'm good, thank you. It's great to have you on today. It's good to finally be here. I, I think. know. Feels, we've been discussing this for a while, I think. So Absolutely, it's yeah. Definitely. I think it's going to be a really, really good episode. So for the listeners that may not know who you are, tell us a little bit about yourself. Oh, there's not much to tell, really. I'm just, um, I'm Neil Kerr, part of um, Carved by Carby, I suppose, um, which started off as B2B coaching, which is still there, but it's kind of joint forces with Carved by Carby. Um, and yeah, I'm a, a local boy-ish. I'm from Stonehaven, grew up in Stonehaven, um, but always been in the Aberdeen area. And yeah, that's... That's me. <laughs> <laughs> so I put out basically an email address that had some technical issues. Mm-hmm. But thankfully, a lot of people took the box on Instagram and have put in some questions. So Wonderful. I'm going to go through them. Fantastic. So I have a question. Uh, number one, how do you motivate yourself? Me? Um numerous ways um but i think motivation is it's only part of the picture discipline um i always rely on discipline more than motivation mm. um and what i mean by that is motivation is very fluid it's up and down you can have days where you're motivated days where you're not so motivated um but if you've got discipline built in you're going to stick to your daily routine regardless and get the results from that mm-hmm. um but things that do motivate me is Obviously, with competing, I know what I achieved last time, what I've got to achieve or want to achieve next time. Um, so that always drives me because I need to be better. So when I'm maybe lacking motivation, I'm thinking about in my head what I want to achieve. Mm. You know, and that's that's from a sports perspective. Um, from a life perspective, I think about the things that I want to gain from life. You know. And that comes as a result of working hard in business and that keeps me motivated as, as well. So that's my... Yeah. Do you think there's any imposter syndrome that might come into that? If you look at where your accomplishments, for an example, in your sports side and your fitness side have been, do um, you think then when the next time comes around, it's really amplified of I'm not doing enough. It's like that imposter syndrome because you're in that comparison. I think so. I think so. I mean... With the sport, obviously, that I do in bodybuilding, um, and obviously, well, I say hobby building as opposed to bodybuilding because it is just a hobby, um, but you are bearing all pretty much for everyone to see, and it's a very judgmental sport. Um, so I think that does rub off onto us. So you, you look at what you were last time, and then you you think, I need to do more, I need to do more, I constantly need to do more um, to improve um, on that look from your from your previous. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I do think there is a, a bit of imposter syndrome in there, but it's, um, you know, it's a hard sport, it's a mental sport, um, and not many people can actually pull it off. So, you know, you need to have that strong mindset to be able to do it yeah. and, and do it consistently instead of just up and down. I kind of feel that with with my mindset, I've got to constantly force my mind to be stronger than my feelings. Because mm-hmm. if it was down to my feelings, I'd be given up yesterday. Well, your mind's the strongest part. Yeah, absolutely. Your, uh, I say the mind's obviously not part of the body, but it is. Mm. Um, you know, the brain's a, the strongest muscle and that controls your mind. And that's the one that you really need to, to work constantly. Yeah. So 
from the back of that question, the same question came up, but it was how do you help motivate your clients? Um, each client's different. Mm. You know, you, you know yourself, we've got a broad range of, of clients. Um, and they are all different and some require, you know, I call it the stick or the carrot. You know, some need to be sort of nurtured and, you know, sort of almost not multicoddled, but kind of that loving arm around them and, and that sort of support. Others need to be a bit more, you need to get this done and you need to do it now. You know what I mean? So, and it tends to be more, I think, generally speaking, it's probably more the males that require that sort of stick. Um, because, I don't know, it's just how, they're, how they are and how it kind of, the dynamic goes. But some of the female clients do need that as well. Um, so just keep them and remind them where they've come from, where they're going, where they are now. We'll show them progress pictures where they've maybe not done themselves, put together. So all of a sudden they're visually seeing the changes they're making. And if they've been doubting themselves, your eyes can't deceive you. You know, your eyes aren't going to lie to you. So you're looking at two pictures in front of you of the same person with drastic changes. And then all of a sudden they think, it is working. I am changing. You know, the scale weight or the measurements maybe aren't, you know, showing big changes. But when you see the side-by-side -side comparisons, um, that in itself is hugely motivation, motivating for, for the client. Um, so there's just numerous ways. Everyone's different. And it would be hard to say, this is a blank answer for, this is how we motivate every single client because you just can't do it. Yeah. It's impossible. Absolutely. Next question. What's more important for weight gain, exercise or nutrition? For weight gain? Mm -hmm. Nutrition. Nutrition, whether it's weight gain or weight loss, nutrition is always going to be the key factor. Why? Why? <laughs> well, I'm actually intrigued. I've, I've never heard of this kind of um, question before. Listen, I mean, the two obviously go hand in hand, but you can't out-train a bad diet. You're never going to mm. be able to out-train a bad diet. So um, if you want to gain quality weight in terms of decent muscle mass, then you're going to need a clean, a good, nutritious diet alongside your training plan. Um, if you are at the gym training, but you're still eating... I don't know, McDonald's and um, cans of Coke or whatever it is. Um, no pun intended. Let's Diet Coke, you're fine. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, you're going to gain excess body fat over that muscle gain. So um, what you put in your body is is absolutely everything. Um, so definitely, definitely nutrition is the key, or I would say is a key to gaining or losing. That's really interesting. How would people, sorry, how would the people you have helped describe you in three words? Oh, what three people? <laughs> Any, th like, Any three No, people. no, no. How would people oh, right, okay. you have helped describe you in three oh, words? Oh, right, okay. Um, I think they would say blunt, driven, um, and motivating. Yeah. But I think that's needed though. Like I've heard you say a few times, you know, I'm, I'm sorry if that comes across blunt. Yeah, yeah. But at no point, for an example, you know, Kate, Katie does my one-to-one -one in person PT, mm -hmm. but Neil does a lot of my check-ins. And there's been times where, you know, it may come across blunt to other people. Yes. But I find it very much, look, I, I'm, I'm here for you and I want you to be achieving this. So I'm kind of giving you that little bit of push. Like you were saying at the beginning, how some clients need that nurture with the, the little yeah virtual hug it's more some people need that push, push. like come yes, on now you're capable yeah. i'm here let's go yep and i think mm. that's i was um sort of throughout my career uh, you know prior to coaching all the rest of it i was kind of 
brought up and trained in a very blunt and a very um hard way almost and i think that's kind of rubbed off i mean i'm, I'm a bit like that and even katie now still be like what is wrong with you why why do you speak to me like that and i'm like i'm not but in my head i'm just being very very clear to the point um so i know it's quite difficult at times but <laughs> i suppose it's who i am you know it's mm -hmm. it's just me we're gonna get onto that actually um very shortly in that area Ooh, okay <laughs> <laughs> um what are your own personal fitness goals um my own personal fitness goals so obviously i competed last year um which was fine i did i did okay i came third in my class for scotland so that was wow. that was good um not what we wanted obviously um but really not bad and i think it was it was fair do you know what i mean like a lot of time in bodybuilding you'll say oh well i should have done this and i should have done that or i should have placed but no i think it was i think it was a reasonable um placing um so that obviously qualified me for the british um but unfortunately a month after the show my mum died so um and that was like a month prior to the british championship so at that point i decided the season's over you know family need me that's more important than hobby building so um that was that so next year i'm gonna get back on stage i'll do i don't know three or four shows maybe depending on how things go um and then i think that's gonna be me done wow um i say done maybe <laughs> i might come back as a master's in a few mm. years um but you know we're getting married obviously this year there's a lot going on business is growing um and i kind of just want to enjoy a bit of life for Absolutely. a couple of years you know just take a not stop training i'll never stop training i'll never stop chasing a fitness goal um and i'll still train like a bodybuilder but maybe just be a little bit less strict to myself and just try and you know have a weekend off or, or whatever it is whereas at the moment i'm constantly thinking about you know diet or this that the next thing instead of let's have a couple of drinks or let's have a glass of wine or whatever. So I don't barely drink now, you know what I mean? So mm -hmm. um, it'd be nice to have a normal life back for a wee while. Absolutely. Do you think when the time comes, you'll document it? No. No? No. I didn't last time, I won't this time. No? No. Okay. It's, um, that was the next question. That's just no. <laughs> no. Um, I think it becomes, if I'm honest, when I look at a lot of Instagram or social media around the competing season, I think it becomes a bit of a ego game with people. I don't know. Just it puts me off a bit. Um, I think it's over, over exaggerated, and you know, constant pictures and and all the rest of it. Whereas, you know, I want to focus on being the best I can. You know, I don't want to put myself out there. I just kind of want to go go into the gym, do what I need to do, do my diet, do my training, um, and do it for me and not for anyone else. So. Um, I'm not looking for validation elsewhere on, on social media. That actually rings a bell of when in episode two, me and Katie were speaking around toxic positivity. Yes, okay. <laughs> you should go back and listen to that one. Just saying. Okay. Um, <laughs> I have listened to it. No, not you. I'm one of the listeners. <laughs> oh, <right. laughs> I thought you were telling me to go. Oh, no. The listeners. It's it's hard sometimes to remember that we're actually talking to an audience because it is literally only us in the yeah, room. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Of course. Hi, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> what has been one of your proudest professional accomplishments? Wow. Um, I suppose I don't really have one. If I'm honest, actually, when you think about it, I don't really have one. I've done exceedingly well um, in all my career points, um, you know, through different stages. 
Um, I think probably taking the leap of faith and going full time into this is probably the the biggest one um, in terms of there's no safety net. You know, uh, in my last job, I was paid well. I had good bonuses. I had a company car. Um, all that was taken care of. A good pension. And then to basically put all that aside and say, right, let's join our coaching businesses and let's go all in with no no safety net at all. Um, it's quite a big leap, but it's paying off. Um, we're both happy, business is doing well, um, and it was definitely the right move. So that's probably the most recent one. But, I mean, I've always been career-focused and career-driven, um, and I've always wanted to be the best at whatever I'm doing, you know, without trying to sound arrogant. Um, but I've always been in competitive industries, you know, as a chef. In the catering industry, it's competitive. Um, sales are extremely competitive, you know, so... And then obviously coaching, it's not, it's a busy industry now. You know, there's there's coaches everywhere, um, myself included, who cropped up pretty much out of nowhere. So, you know, I'm part of that, you know, so there's a hundred of me coming up every week or every month. Um, so it is a competitive industry. Um, so every time we're achieving or doing well, it's, um, it is an achievement. Absolutely. So. How do you determine the right volume and frequency for a client? Um, so we'll bear in quite a lot of factors. So every time now um, we have a client coming in, we have a questionnaire for them to fill in. Now it's not um, unique to us. A lot of PTs will do this. It's, it's fairly standard now across the industry to gain as much information as you can um, about the client. But then we look at what their goals are. We speak to them a bit. We set them up in WhatsApp. We have chats back and forth. We'll have calls if they, they, they want them. Um, we find out as much about them as possible um, and what their goals are, what their training history is, do they have any injuries, do they have any illnesses, etc. Um, and then we base it around there. But, I mean, let's be honest, you're not always going to get it right first time. There's going to need to be constant adjustments and changes and, and such like throughout the programme. Um, and if you get it right on the first time, excellent. But if not, you know, it's our job to to make the changes as and when to fit their needs. So if it's too much volume or too much frequency or not enough then we can make the changes and and just roll with it that's what our job is that's what you're paying us to do is to you know get you results but that match into your ability and your lifestyle that kind of goes in tie with the next question do you have any experience working with clients after accidents or with physical disability i personally don't not much not much um i've trained one of my friends has got a, a motor neurons disease um, and I've trained with him and I got him into the gym um, and did a bit with him. It's not my area of expertise, but um, Katie's far more experienced on that side of it. Um, but, you know, if it's minor injuries, um, you know, the usual stuff, maybe of broken an arm or broken a leg or something, then that's easy enough to rehab past. Um, but if I'm not sure, I'll go to Katie and, and then we'll take it from there. But, I mean, I'm been coaching for... Where are we? Eight months. So it's not that long. You know, it's not that long, really. Um, so I'm going to come across these hurdles in time. Um, you know, I mean, I'm under no illusions or not making any impressions. I'm the best coach, the most knowledgeable coach in the world. Um, I'm still learning this trade, um, but hopefully doing a good job of it. 
I think you're great. <laughs> I, lo- I love when my check-ins come in each week um, because I know that you go into thorough detail yeah. and make sure that at, at all times I'm supported. Yes. So to have it physically there in a, a one-to-one with Katie yep. and then when I have my check-ins with you, I feel like it's very much equal yes. and balanced out. So yep. yeah, I think, I think you're great. So the next part of the episode, I am going to remind you that there is a trigger warning in this episode because we are going to be touching on some subject matters around suicide. Mm-hmm. So for a while, I wanted Neil to come on the podcast. Um, and two months ago, I started a mental health series. Yep. And Neil, <laughs> ironically, because he felt like he was quite blunt, uh, maybe might have rustled some feathers. So we held off two months ago. Uh-huh. However... From time to time, me and Neil do communicate on Instagram. And last week, Neil shared a reel. And uh, unknown to me, I had never heard that Men's Mental Health Month is actually Mm. this month. In June. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Um, However, I do believe it's more of an American thing at the moment. Mm. That said, two weeks ago um, in the UK, it was Men's Mental Health Week in the UK. Um, But again... It wasn't mentioned. Nobody, I've never seen anyone sharing or mention or bringing it up at all, which is quite sad. I think it's really, really sad. And I find all areas of mental health really close to home to me because I've had my own journey mm-hmm. and experiences yes. within that. And I get so upset that when I decided to take all my studies and I looked at the history into mental health, mm-hmm. even back, you know, quite some time ago, it wasn't that long ago that Cornhill and was actually called the lunatic Aberdeen hospital and that's for me as a a patient that actually was sectioned in Cornhill for Mm -hmm. some time that's really triggering because at no point was my trauma experiences categorized as me being a lunatic and I think that back then society had that stigma already yes but even though that's amplified right before then we've had generations of men Mm-hmm. growing up taught in a world to mask their emotions mm-hmm. that it's not validated they have to you know metaphorically in, in hyphens here man man yeah. the fuck up basically yes, yes. and that's wrong it's wrong um men are men men are human as well okay mm-hmm. we're biologically and to a degree mentally different from females absolutely um, but we have emotion we feel um you know everything that you experience we experience as well but our outlet is completely different um you know if a man comes out and says i'm struggling with this or whatever it is or you know a woman can openly say i'm having mental health or this or i'm having a bad time etc um whereas a guy can't um and i find that i find it quite hard because i don't understand why i mean as a man or I think as a man, you do have a duty and a, a sort of role to play, a gender role to play. Um, and that is to be, you know, a protector, a provider, to be strong, etc. Um, but that doesn't mean that you can't have emotion or display emotion. You need to be able to understand your feelings, um, you know, understand your emotions. Yes, you need to be able to control them. Um, but you can't not recognise them. You can't ignore them. Because then you're you're just going to put yourself in a spiral that's not going to end well. No, absolutely. I I completely agree with you there. And I I think what doesn't help is where men have ultimately been trained with this narrative 
mm-hmm. they've stuck together in that narrative and very few are breaking the cycle. Yep. So, for an example, if you were in a bar and a male is willingly saying, do you know what, I've had a really shit week, it's been mm-hmm. quite intense at work and I'm really stressed here. And it's alien to the other boys because they know yep. they have their own mental health, but dare we talk about, about it. it. Exactly. And it's about the few minority that's actually breaking the, the mm-hmm. cycle, that's breaking the stigma around that. Because mm-hmm. like you say, yeah, men, I do feel, can feel exactly how mm-hmm. women feel and that mental health is not yes. gender yeah, yeah. Yep. targeted. It doesn't. It doesn't. Yeah. No, no, it doesn't know. Um, depression doesn't know if you're male, female, whatever. Um, it's depression. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So if you've got mental health struggles, um, what does it matter? Mm-hmm. You know, what does it matter what you identify as, whether you're male or female? Um, they need support. Absolutely. You know, regardless. It's a rock and a hard place because, you know, two weeks ago I'm thinking to myself, why did I not know on well, a subject that yeah. I'm so passionate and want to help people in, why did I not even know this existed? I didn't know. And yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's, it's a strange one. Um, it's just, to me, it's just, it's almost brushed under the carpet and it's forgotten about. And, you know, we, we scream and we shout about equality and, and treating everyone the same. Um, but it's kind of gone the opposite way. Or not the opposite way, but it's the, the, the sort of balance and equality is shifted in certain areas. Mm-hmm. And now it's unequal in the opposite way. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it, it doesn't matter if you're male or female, you should be... Um, addressing it, like I say, understanding your emotions, understanding your feelings. That's the first step. And then you need to learn to control them um, and respond to them. You know, what's the word I'm looking for? Respond to them sort of accordingly. Yeah, know? I think so. I think we all need our own toolkit. Mm-hmm. And it was actually only of late for my mental well-being. I took some tools from Neil in my check-in of mm-hmm. the levels that I would take as each week passed Yep. with an additional layer to my journaling. Yes. And it was then because it became how I was actually speaking and treating to myself. Yes. Yeah. And I would say the same would apply to even males or any woman that's mm-hmm. listening to this. It's about understanding your own traumas, your own wounds, mm-hmm. what is making you tick this way right now Correct. and helping yourself because it is okay to not be okay, but as long as you're actually doing something about it. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's the first step is, you know, when you when you get to that point where you're trying to control your emotions, it is, the focus needs to be on how you speak to yourself. And when people say, speak to myself, I'm not talking about, you know, the, the normal conversations and talking about how you refer to yourself um, and how you describe things. So, for example, I will say, I won't say, I'm, I might do this or I may be this or I'm a little bit. I'll say, I am, I will, I can. You know what I mean? Like, that, that's why I will. Instead of, yeah, maybe or I might or oh, I could possibly do that. I can do that. I will do that. I am this. I am that. You know, so instead of being almost whimsical about it, it's it's very direct um that this is what i'm going to achieve and this is how i'm going to speak to myself Mm -hmm. um with respect and with respect and discipline some of the questions that came in is around mental health Mm -hmm. so we have both been asked a few here and one of them is what does mental health mean to us and do we have any experiences with mental health ourselves um to me mental health is Exactly that. It's the health of your mind. You know, we talk about physical health and everyone knows that's going for a jog, it's eating well, it's going to the gym, it's training. Mental health is obviously the health of the mind. Um, And just like your body can get run down at times, your mind can too. 
Um, and it's about recognizing that and, and doing the steps necessary. Like, you know, if you pick up an infection, um, you're going to go to the doctors, you're going to get antibiotics and you're going to treat it or you're going to self-treat by, you know, relaxing, drinking water, whatever it is, taking paracetamol. Um, when your mind gets run down, um, you know, whether you go take the, the medicated route or not, you need to establish that rest, that recuperation period, let the mind heal, you know, doing all these things, like I said, about how you speak to yourself, how you address yourself, um, and understanding that way, the mind is just part of the body, um, and that mental health is just part of your health and well-being. Um, an experience of it? Yes, of course. You know, <laughs> of course I have. Um, how far do you want to go into this? As well, as much as you want to. Yeah, okay. Um, so yeah, so I think I, I struggled the most with it, I think, between the years of 2016 to 2018. Um, in fact, 2016 was the worst year. 2016, I won't go into too much of the background of it because it's, it's kind of irrelevant. Um, but I found myself in a position where I virtually lost pretty much everything um, I had. So apart from uh, physical things, I mean, not um, not like family or, or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, financially broke, very, very difficult position. Um, and I started obviously drinking and, and such like and found myself in a really bad place. And then I went to the doctors and I did, of course, the medicated route. So I did sertraline um, during the day and then Zoplicon at night to sleep. So it was basically just a walking zombie because you're this false up and then this false down. And, you know, you when you're on Zoplicon, you never really sleep. It's just like you're knocked out. Um, so it got too much for me. 2016, I decided, well, in fact, I didn't even decide. I just kind of ended up sitting in the bath, which I always did at some times if I was having a night in or whatever. I was sitting in the bath, bottle of vodka in my ice bucket um, and just kind of like chill out with my tunes on. And then I was like, oh, well, could, you know what? What happens, happens. So I ended up taking a whole packet of Zoplicone alongside my bottle of vodka in the bath. And I was like, if I wake up, then happy days, we'll, we'll deal with it. And if not, well, who's arsed? You know what I mean? So, wow. yeah. And then I did wake up like freezing cold, banging headache, <laughs> like the worst hangover I've had in my life. Um, and at that point, that's when I was like, I need, I need to speak to somebody here, like not a doctor, like beyond that. So I spoke to my mom um, and her opinion was, right, the tablets and that aren't helping. Let's get you off those. So I did. Um, I came off them and I just chipped away for two years improving myself and little things like I would go up to the chapel in the state and look around the show homes and be like one day I need to buy a house here this is going to make me happy so I did that last year you know what I mean so little things like that so I just got myself back into a track and back into that mindset of I can I am and I will this isn't I'm not going to be defined by this um so I understand mental health I've been there um I've been to the lowest points and I've been to the highest points I got to the point where you know, when you're on the floor and you've got nowhere else to go, no further down, you've got two choices. You either stay there or you pick yourself back up. You know, that's the two choices. And nobody's going to save you. Oh, nobody's coming oh to absolutely. Save you. <laughs> that was the biggest lesson. Yeah. If there's a lesson that I have learned the most in my mental health journey over the years is that not one person is coming for you. You no. have to do this for you. And wow, you know... I, and that demonstrates again, in, in comparison, you're a male and you've had these experiences mm -hmm. and even you at one point felt at the lowest mm -hmm. 
and you've recognised your own toolkit to come through that and you yep. use that. I think it's unfortunate because a lot of people try and act on things though mm-hmm. before it's too late. Yes. Um, yep. I, I think that's the, the biggest statistic that's out there for why mm-hmm. suicides or the thoughts of you know going ahead with it is as high as that, yes, they, that they are. Yep. Yep. Um, for, for me, um, I, I was 15 and I actually had glandular fever mm-hmm. and I was never the same after I had yeah, glandular yeah. fever. Um, and I had a, a quite a traumatic experience um, in my life from when I was 16 mm-hmm. and I basically had a breakdown mm-hmm. and I didn't want to be here anymore and it, I was adamant that, you know, I, I was going to make it happen. Yeah. Um, set my legs on fire, mm-hmm. several overdose attempts, mm-hmm. pouring hot water over me. Mm-hmm. The most ridiculous things now thinking back then. And I also think being vulnerable, it's actually something that I'm going to swallow my pride for. Mm-hmm. I was that number that actually didn't want the help. Yes. Because I was adamant this was a life, mm-hmm. the world that I just didn't want to be in anymore. Yep, yep. When I was 16, I had the experience that I had, but it made me question a lot of things. For an example, my sexuality, mm-hmm. having my virginity lost at such mm-hmm. a young age, everything that came in tow with that. And I felt that the service that came with NHS, I didn't have then my emotional needs met of the whole experience this trauma happened to you megan but doesn't make that you're a lesbian this trauma happened to you but we can help you through it instead it was you know you have all of this symptoms in what Mm -hmm. we think's your your personality and your characteristics here's fluoxetine oh yeah helpful went on fluoxetine and you know, bless my parents because it must be absolutely heartbreaking mm-hmm. for them to see because I remember I could not be happy. I could not be mm-hmm. sad. Couldn't have any emotion. I was so numb. Yep. And I developed this type of personality where I wasn't the main character in my story anymore. I was somebody in the background that okay. I was unrecognized. Um, and yeah, I had that epiphany it was mainly actually from my from my grandfather don't get me wrong i i have a wonderful relationship with my mm-hmm. family but my granddad has always mm-hmm. had my heart yes of course um and the last time um i had ever tried to not be here anymore my my grandfather he came up to the hospital and he mm-hmm. he went fucking ballistic with <laughs> me uh, but i vowed to him i wasn't going to do that again yeah. and then when the day came that it was his funeral i honestly think that when you come through mental health and if you've ever contemplated and committing suicide and things like that if you attend a funeral selfishly you think holy shit Mm -hmm. this devastation around you people grieving mourning i can't believe i was so selfish at one Mm -hmm. point in my life that could have actually been me yeah exactly so that was like the next epiphany thing for me and of course at this point being so young there's so little out there about personal development you're not aware of what's really out there yes, or, or how to use your your mental mind to its strongest and things like that um and it wasn't until toxic relationships a failed marriage after mm-hmm. and i'm doing this uh, almost i realized how much personal development opened up my world yeah. and then when i changed the the narrative of not wanting to be on medication mm-hmm. i was able to then take control of my emotions yes. so i yeah, yeah. if i feel upset i'm gonna let my 
myself cry. If I'm going to mm. happy, I'm going to express it. And if I'm really pissed off, I'll punch the hell out of my sofa cushions. <laughs> Good. You know, it's, right. it's kind of like that. So yeah, I have experienced my mental health, but I would say I've experienced it for different reasons. I do genuinely believe there must be something scientifically there where I had glandular fever uh, as a young yeah. girl. I think something definitely triggered an okay. imbalance. Yep. I've had some trauma experiences, but I'm grateful for them because although... I've changed the narrative and this is the thing I'm not against anyone that's religious but Mm. I'm personally not religious but if there is someone I want to do well in this earth so in this world so that when my time comes I can see my granddad again Mm -hmm. and that's kind of my why yeah well I think that's perfectly feasible Um, I'm probably the same as you I don't um, agree in religion Mm. Um, so but what you're saying makes total sense you know there's hope in the fact that there's something beyond here where our loved ones are whether there is or not, you know, <laughs> we'll find out maybe yeah. one day. Um, but that provides that hope and that sort of um, calmness, I think, to people knowing or thinking at least that they're going to see loved ones again on the other side and you'll be able to reunite and loop back and discuss all these these sort of points. Um, so I totally agree with you on that, completely agree. No, absolutely. And I think it's our experiences that ultimately make us who who. Mm-hmm. we we are at mm-hmm. the end of the day and i think that allows us to put a lot of offerings into the world yep. not just in like a business industry but actually as a person to be yep. that person yep. to message that male brother the male mm-hmm. friend or whoever's a male that you know and yep. take two minutes and say hey how are you today yeah are you okay or even to your female friends, mm-hmm. how are you today? But I, yep. I emphasize the male because I had no idea what this month ultimately mm-hmm. represented. And I think it's really important that they're included. Yes, I would agree. I mean, well, of course I agree. I mean, I've got no um, no qualms or no or so no prejudice or whatever. The women in my life make a huge difference. Um, and they have done throughout the years. Um, I wouldn't be the person I am if I didn't have that female support network around me. So, um, you know, I respect and I love the women in my life and, and, you know, I'm not taking anything away from that. But equally, men need to be recognised in the same light. You know, and at, at times I don't think we are. I think it's almost that like we're taking for granted that, that the man's going to be there and he's going to do this and he's going to do that. Absolutely. And, you know, and it's it's until he's not there, you, you realise, shit, how much did he actually do and, and all the rest of it around me. So... Um, whereas I think we're men, we were very aware of what the women in our life do for us. Um, but it doesn't seem to be rescinded, I think, in the same the same way, which is quite sad. And that's kind of what we need to do. And when I say we, I mean the general population need to come together and say, all you know, you talk about it, all lives matter, but in terms of figures, we're looking at um, as I said to you, just under five hundred thousand male suicides are gonna be take place between 2021 and 2024 i'm um, going off statistic you know off of the, the, oh, yeah. the sort of statistics i looked at um and the amount of women that are going to commit suicide is going to be about fifth 150 you know yeah. so it's a big it's a stark difference um and those numbers are both way too high way way too mm. high but you know how do we reduce them all you know get that man's number down that female's number down um and it comes from, I think, a sort of mutual respect and a mutual appreciation of, of all. But how do we get there? Absolutely. You know? So if a male wanted to, exa- for example, reach out and speak to you, yep. 
Where can they find you on social media? Um, they'll find me at, got a bit of a mouthful, um, back, <laughs> <laughs> back dot to dot basics underscore Neil. Yeah, that's your Instagram. That's my Instagram. Yeah, that's your Instagram. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, in terms of Facebook, I don't really use it, so I wouldn't bother. <laughs> yeah. It's there for marketplace, essentially. Just just use Instagram. <laughs> use Instagram, yeah. Um, yeah, so that's where you'll you'll find me on, on, on social media. So if anyone had any questions in relation to coming on board as being a client or yep. if they feel that they've got something that you can help them mm-hmm. with, but it could be, for an example, their own poster syndrome. Yep. Yep. W- what's kind of going on just now with the company? Is there spaces, is there not? Yep. How can people yep. get involved? So in terms of the fitness and, and health and the general sort of coaching side, there's going to be, you know, go to Carve by Carvey for that. Um, and you can fill in the job forms there. Um, and that's going to be the general, you know, the sort of coach. And we do have spaces. We've got spaces for online um, spaces for our GC12 programme um, and limited at the moment anyway, one-to-one spaces. Um, B2B coaching, um, I haven't fully decided yet, but I'm trying to look at how I can adapt that into um, a sort of male mindset coaching business. Um, not just for mental health, but just for every aspect of, of maybe men who are feeling a bit lost or feeling a bit overwhelmed or need a bit of support um but i haven't finalized that in my head and how i'm going to do it or market it or i put it out there yet um but it won't be it won't really be for profit essentially i i think that's really important because mental health is not just your mental ill health mm-hmm. it's also what are you watering yourself how are you feeding yeah, yourself yeah, yeah. your stress levels at work what your mindset yes. overall yeah. this day to day. So I think that's really crucial and important to anyone's personal development. Yeah. I think one of the things I find a lot is, um, and it's not just men, you know, it, it's females, it's it's males, it's everyone, um, can lie to themselves a, a, a fair bit. And what we mean by that is, you know, if you say, for example, right, every morning I'm going to get up at 8 a.m., out of bed at 8 a.m. every morning, and I'm mm-hmm. going to do X, Y, and Z, um, and then you don't do it. Or you maybe do it for one day and then you don't do it the next day and the next day. Um, you're basically lying to your subconscious saying, you know, you're basically making yourself out to be insincere to yourself. And that's the sort of things I want to look at in, in terms of mindset training is, is really not lying to yourself, going out there, achieving, not underachieving and such like. So, yeah, you're absolutely right in terms of how we how we feed ourselves, you know, and, and lying to us, our style, ourselves is probably one of the, the biggest downfalls. That's absolutely fantastic. You need to keep us posted on how that goes. Yes, I will. <laughs> Thank you so much, guys, for coming back to listen to episode three of Not Past It Yet podcast. If you have been affected by this episode, details for resources that you can reach out to are in the description box below. You will also find Neil's details in the description box also. But very quickly, before that we do cut it um, today, I would actually like to mention something really, really exciting. So I have teamed up with Love's Cases for a collaboration. And I want to tell you why this company is so special, because this is not an ad. This isn't me saying, go and check out their website and buy all their products. I'm saying that I'm somebody that's so passionate of supporting small businesses and rooting for both male and female working in small businesses. Sorry, 
And this company have designed products with a huge message that can impact people that are struggling day to day. So I'm going to link their website in the description box because you're going to be able to see the most amazing, cool designs on love cases. And you'll see my collaboration very, very soon. I will see you next week, guys.